<clears throat> I've uh, I've enjoyed this. What do you call it? A workshop. I like the rap session that we had this morning. I I it was very difficult for me because I'm I'm so aggressive in my spirit. Difficult for me to just sit back and let others rap. And uh, so my the fire was perking inside. <laughs> And I was, became, I was becoming like a wine bottle ready to explode. So when I come up, I, I was very aggressive in the way that I think, the way I believe. But I don't want to appear as a dogmatist in infallible robes. Neither do I want to be an expert of constructive criticism. But I really suspect that we have not really understood faith. Of course, this is what a healing workshop. But the end result of healing in your need really becomes because there is imparted faith to you. Genuine faith can no more manifest itself without result than the sun without light. If you have faith, you'll have a manifested result. If you don't have faith, you will not have a manifested result. And I think that we've, we in Christianity has, have unknowingly ascribed the power or the ability to believe the promise to believe God, give consent, or have belief in it, is the equivalent of faith, but it's not. Because the power or the ability to believe is an ability of the mind, but the power to have faith is an ability of the spirit. And the scripture is very clear that the mind of man cannot receive or experience or create the things of God. You can have all of the great promises stored in your memories and you can recall them at will and quote them. That does not effect the result of faith. The result of faith really has its total origins and its endings in God. But God is in your spirit, he's not in your mind. He'd like to have you have the renewed mind, but the renewed mind is not the mind that has learned the promise. The renewed mind is the mind that has supernaturally been changed miraculously by the power of God. Or you might say the renewed mind is the mind of man that has been spiritualized with the very spirit of God himself. So it's no longer psychic, it's now spirit. Do you understand that? Scripture says it's very clear, be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I think that we've, we've presumed that by learning doctrine, learning the promises, storing it in our memory banks, and then at will recalling it, while acting, acting by faith upon a need, that that is equivalent to faith. 
the failure to have results is because it was the learned mind initiating the action instead of the spirit mind. Did you understand that remark? The, the, lack, of e the lack of effect, oh, you want an example? Well, let me say this again. The lack of effect when you act by faith shows that the soul man is reigning supreme, not the spirit man. Now, for example, let's say that I'm going to pray for somebody who has cancer. There's a very much need there, and we know that by his stripes we were healed. We know that the scripture says, These signs shall follow them that believe, they shall lay hands upon their sick, and they shall recover. So we act by faith, stretching forth our hands to lay hands upon that person, praying with faith, or praying by faith that does not bring a result. The result is because we have not had the origins of initiative or ability in God himself in the spirit. I think it's, you know, I don't, I'm not against doctors, medicine, but I certainly am for healing. We have people that won't go to the doctors because they're believing God. But some of them have spent a lifetime never being healed even though they believe God. It's because there was never, there were never initiated, there was never incarnated, there was never originated faith that had its origin in God. Their belief in the promise to supply their need in self-deceit has been presumptuous or presuming that that is the equivalent of faith, and it is not. I want to say it again. The power to believe or have belief in the promises is a mind ability. The power to have faith is a spirit ability. The power to believe the promises without result shows that the spirit had no part in it. But the power to believe a promise that, that brings results shows that the Spirit imparted faith as you were acting by faith. Do you understand that? And I think uh, I would like to encourage every one of you. I would, I, I, would, I would plead with you. Charles G. Price wrote a book called The Real Faith. Of all the writers of faith, and I've read a lot of them, None of them have ever done anything for me to understand faith except this writing, The Real Faith by Charles Price. Uh, we've made faith a condition of our minds. Unconsciously, self-deceitfully, or ignorantly, or innocently, we've made faith something that, has, that is an ability of our minds. And yet, I want to say it again, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural mind cannot receive the things of God. Now the renewed mind can because the renewed mind is the very mind of Christ. But the natural mind is your own mind. And your own mind has its, its strength and origins in your soul where the mind of Christ has its strength and origins in Christ Jesus in your spirit. I want to say this, that you cannot have faith with your mind.
You can only have faith as God imparts it to your heart. It has to originate with him. So the just shall live by faith. But the faith that we're living by is not the kind of faith that brings a divine result or a supernatural result for your needs. Are you understanding what I'm saying? If you're not understanding what I'm saying, it's because your mind is ruling your life. If you will understand what I'm saying, it's, then it's evidence that the spirit of revelation is working with you and your spirit is reigning supreme in your life. I find when I preach I can feel the, the psychic force struggling to understand. The psychic force, the mind of man can't understand anything about. It's impossible. I get scolded and criticized by leadership because I put such de-emphasis on the mind. In fact, your mind absolutely is worthless, of no value at all, unless it is the prisoner of God, unless it is subject to God. People don't know how to do that. Now. Faith can be received, as I said, only as it is imparted to the heart. Now the heart is the intellectual, affectional seat of the human spirit, but it is not equal to or the same thing as the human spirit. Now the mind is the intellectual, affectional seat of the human soul, but it is equal to and the same thing as the soul. Now, you're going to have to get a hold of this tape and just stop and think a little bit about it because I'm going to go on talking and you're going to lose all the other things I'm going to be ta talking about. I want you to understand, faith is not a creative ability of the mind. Faith is a creative ability of Jesus Christ in your spirit. And unless you learn to live your life in your spirit, not in your mind, Unless you learn to walk in the spirit, not in your mind, you'll never have much faith. And for me to try to, to say it a million ways that it needs to be said in just one message would be ridiculous. We'd be here probably for many more hours. But I would like you to take the initiative to buy this book, The Real Faith, by Charles G. Price, and that you prayerfully read it, prayerfully read it, and then prayerfully reread it, and reread it, and reread it. I don't want you to intellectually just sit down and allow your mind to be dominant to read the words. I want you to prayerfully read it. I want you to submit all that you are to God. Say, God, I want you to give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ Jesus concerning what you're saying in this book. If God's Holy Spirit doesn't do the action of giving you wisdom concerning God's knowledge, you'll never really understand by experience. You'll only understand by learning ever learning, but never coming to the experienced knowledge of truth. Now, <clears throat> we've been, I think, wrong in our attitudes 
in our understanding and in our initiative. I have to give you an example. As I said in the earlier morning workshop, uh, Smith Wigglesworth was asked, when you see a devil on a person, or in a person, do you wait for the anointing, or do you wait for the leading of the Holy Spirit before you go to that person to deliver them and help them or pray for them? He said, when I see a devil in a person or on a person, he says, I'm already running there. God better be there when I get there. Now that's called audacious faith. He expected God to meet him in his actions by faith with his imparted faith by the time he got there. Does that make sense? Jesus was superior in this realm that he may live by faith, but he walked so purely in the spirit that he walked in the realm of faith. He walked in the realm of imparted faith or incarnated faith was in him. But he had to live and walk just like you and I. It was all points tested like you and I, and yet without sin. It behooved him to be made in all points like unto his brethren. He had to live by faith, but he lived in the Spirit. He walked in the Spirit, so he lived in a realm where faith is. This is why he said, I don't say a thing unless I hear my Father saying it. Well, I don't do a thing except I see my Father doing it. He had developed his spiritual ear to hear the voice of the Father, which is the rhema word. He had developed his eyes to see what the Father was doing, which was ability to see the rhema word. Faith comes by hearing, and that by hearing the rhema. Or we could say faith comes by seeing, or that by seeing the rhema. The people of God have not been taught their privilege and their disciplined responsibilities to develop their spiritual eyes to see what God is doing or to hear what God is saying. They have assumed that learning doctrine, learning the promises and mimic the promises is the equivalent of faith. But you know, I suspect that there's been several, maybe all of you, you've been, you've got physical needs today. That you've prayed about a lot of times, scripturally correct. And you've had a lot of people probably pray for you a lot of different times, scripturally correct. But you're still not healed. And you've confessed it as though you confessed it by faith that you are healed by your stripes. But you still haven't been healed. Why? Because you're living. Because you've lived your life from your life. You've lived your life from your learning. You have not lived your life in the Spirit. You've not lived your life from Him. Because you can't have anything to originate from His living being. His living person, which is His living Word, which is the Rhema, without a supernatural result. Are you understanding what I'm saying? This is why I want to encourage you again to get this book. To those who are listening to the, to, the, to the tape, they can write my office of Love Ministries, East 19319 Sprague Avenue, Green Acres, Washington, zip code 99016, and they can write for this book. Every believer needs this book.
There's another book that I'd like to encourage is Healing the Sick by T.L. Osborne. Uh, this is a treatise. It's a masterpiece on the doctrines of healing. Uh, I don't know in my, own, in my own thinking that any other writer has even come near its quality or near its presentation. More people are healed by reading this book, Healing the Sick by T.L. Osborne, than they are listening to preaching. Because you see, you can, you can read something and then you can mull on it, and while you're mulling on it, the Holy Spirit makes it rhema, and then you possess your need furnished. Does it make sense? A lot of people, in, even in the, in the healing ministries, some, a very few some, are healed. I was in a healing conference seminar by ministers in Minneapolis here, oh, maybe four years ago. And as I walked in, one, and you would all know this man, very popular in the healing movement. He was saying that we're getting from three to five percent of the people that we pray for healed. That's terrible. Jesus never had a failure. Everyone he prayed for was immediately healed. You understand that? And it doesn't seem to bother them that there is that kind of magnitude of 93 to 97% failure. And yet, I'm always impressed like this, that when they are praying for somebody in need, if the result doesn't happen, if they're not healed, the one that's the intercessor <coughs> bl blames the one that's sick in the need for not having faith. I think that's terribly wrong. If the one that's sick doesn't have imparted faith, and the one that's doing the praying doesn't have an imparted faith, there won't be a result. I know that Jesus, and when he walked in most cases, he asked them to have faith. But they couldn't have faith by human ability or mental consent. If they were going to have faith that Jesus was asking them, it's because somehow they broke into the realm of spirit where the Father imparted faith to them. Does that make sense? But then there, when I described in the early morning service, Jesus coming to the pool of Bethesda and all kinds of impotent folk around there. He walked up to this, this blind, crippled man, or blind, crippled man been that way from his mother's womb, who was sitting there at the side of that pool of Shalom to get healed. And it had been reported that that at certain times, intermittent times, an angel would come down and stir the waters. The first impotent person that could get into the water when the angel stirred it was healed. So he didn't know Jesus, didn't know who he was, but Jesus being led by the Father. Jesus just didn't decide to go over to the pool of Shalom because he thought it would be a good idea to go be a healer over there and work a lot of healing. He was pre-led by the Holy Spirit from the Father 
to go into that pool. And he just didn't pick out somebody at random. He walked up to the very man that God led him to. And he asked him, would you like to be made whole? Well, the guy started making all kinds of excuses. He said, well, I'd like to be, but somebody always beats me into the water after the angel stirs it. And he didn't preach a message to him. He just said, take up thy bed and rock. He said, I say, take up thy bed and walk. Now, where was the faith? Was it the faith in the man? Or was it the faith in Jesus? I should, should suspect that we could say in a superior sense, the faith for that man's healing was in Jesus Christ. But as he spoke that word, God also imparted a willingness to stand up and walk. But I'd say the superior quality of faith was in the Son of God. Jesus got out of there real fast. A couple of days later, he came back, he said, you believe in the Son of Man? Well, who's he? Well, it's he that's talking to you. And he fell and worshipped him. Now, if, you can be, if you're mature enough to be led by the Spirit, so that you can stretch forth your hands to only what God says stretch your hands to, I guarantee you, you'll have the faith before you ever stretch forth your hands. But also we know this, that from the mere preaching of the word, it inspires people to faith. Does it inspire everybody to faith? No. Some of them get healed. Because as the word goes forth, the Father takes the word and takes it past their minds, which can't create faith, and quickens it in their heart. Faith comes by hearing, and that by hearing the rhema. Or faith comes by the logos being quickened, into rhema. Faith comes by hearing that, by hearing the rhema. If you abide in me, and my rhema abides in you. If you abide in me, where is he? He's in the spirit. If you can literally do the action of, uh, and the work of doing the literal abiding in him, in spirit, the rhema will have supremacy in you and you'll speak as you will or you'll speak it as you hear it and it shall be done to you. But because the people of God have not been taught what to do to do the abiding or how to do it, they've not been able to come to the perfection of the fulfillment of that scripture. I hear it quoted all the time. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, shall ask what you will, shall be done to you. You've all heard that. You hear it practically quoted every sermon. Well, that's great. But the word if is conditional upon you doing the action of doing the abiding. Because the word abide is an action word. And faith without action remains dead. Faith without your corresponding action to what you're hearing won't have an opportunity to manifest. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So it would be more important for us to, to teach the people of God their privilege and their responsibility and the disciplines that they must initiate 
so that it puts him into a relationship with God so God can impart or incarnate his faith. And I want to say this again. The power to believe the promise, the power to believe in God, the power to believe in Jesus does not initiate or create faith. Faith comes by hearing and that by hearing the rhema or faith comes by quickening or that by the quicken, quickened rhema or faith comes by the incarnating or the incarnating of the rhema. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And that kind of faith has its origins totally in God in the spirit of man. And if you don't divide your spirit from your mind, your mind will play God. Your mind will sit on the throne of your heart, acting like God, thinking like God, talking like God, mimicking God, but never having God's results. Then Jesus come along in Luke 9, 23, except a man lose his life, he cannot find life. Let me paraphrase in the Greek. If, except a man lose his suke, he cannot find zoe. Now, suke is your soul, and your soul is your mind. Except you literally lose your mind, you cannot find zoe life, and zoe life is theophysical life. Theophysical life is God physical. Have you heard what I've said? Theophysical, theo, thea in the Greeks means God. Theophysical is God physical. So it's important for us to, to realize that we've got a responsibility to learn the ability of living and walking in spirit, out of mind, or in spirit denying our mind. Except a man deny his mind, except a man lose his mind, he cannot find Zoe life. And that's one of the major reasons why we have so, so a great percentage of failures is because the leadership and the people do not or have not really learned the absolute ability to live and walk in spirit. If you live and walk in the spirit, you will have the successful faith that is equal to Jesus Christ. If you live and walk in the Spirit, you'll never have a need that will not be immediately supplied. In fact, you live and walk in the Spirit, you won't have any needs. You live and walk in the Spirit, which is not in your mind. It's in Christ Jesus. Then he'll be the same today as he was yesterday. But what in the world do you do to live and walk in the Spirit? And how do you do it so it becomes an effective reality? What in the world do you do to lose your mind or deny your mind so that you can really have a reality of theophysical or Zoe life? What do you do to do that? Well, is faith essential for your healing? Absolutely. But where is it essential? Is it essential in you? Or is it essential in the one that's praying for you? 
Well, I don't care where it's, where it's in you or where it's in the one that's praying for you, it's going to have to be there. And it's going to have to be incarnated, imparted there by the Father himself. It's going to have to have its origins in the Father. It cannot originate in your mind or out of your mind or from your mind or by your mind. It has its origins in the Father and Jesus Christ right now is the fullness of God to head bodily and Isaiah 9, 6 calls, calls him the everlasting Father. It has to have its origins of God in your spirit. Not only the origins of knowing but the origins of motivation or the origins of initiative. When Jesus walked up to that pool of Bethesda, I don't think that he got up in the morning, did his prayer time, he said, well, I think it'd be a good idea to go over to the pool of Shalom today, maybe heal some of them sick folk. I believe that Jesus, in his prayer time, was not so much talking to God, I think he was listening. He was listening in the realm of spirit. He got his direct orders from God in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, and all he had to do then is to initiate a motivation to walk it out towards the pool of Shalom. He may have even known who he was going to go to before he ever got there. But if he didn't, when he got there, as he looked over this mass multitude of impotent folks around this pool, he walked up to this one guy that had never seen him in his life. Would you like to be made whole? Well, yeah, I'd like to, but you heard me before. Somebody beats me to the water when the angel stirs it. Then he didn't preach him no message. He said, I say unto thee, arise, take up that bed and walk. Then there took an obedience of initiative for this man. But his initiative wasn't his, it was God's. It was God that originated that quickening initiative to get up and walk. One of the saddest things that I've been around is to go into these healing crusades and the preacher gives him, well, Act on your faith. Well, because they was acting on their faith, they never got out of that wheelchair, or they never got off up that cot, or they never had a result. But if the Father had quickened them with his own faith, he would also give them supply to get out of that chair. Are you listening? I want you to understand if God don't impart it to the heart, I don't care how much you believe, how much you scream and holler and confess and repeat, you won't have the results. I watched people casting out devils. <laughs> One day I was in a church and they was interceding for a man that was under terrible salt and they was really aggressive going on. They was binding and rebuking and screaming and hollering and binding. And I looked up in the spirit and I saw a bunch of demons like in a football huddle, laughing at all these people that was below them in intercession, binding and loosing. So I walked down the aisle, and as I walked up on the platform, them devils turned around and saw me and took off, and in its place came the angels. Then the service began. Then what was said was accomplished. I didn't walk down there in royal. I walked down there in Christ Jesus in the spirit. The son can't do a thing except he sees what the father is doing. And then 
the very famous pattern, habit pattern of the sun in John 5.30, which I think would be conducive to, to reading here. I quote it all the time. The scripture says we are to grow up in Christ Jesus in all aspects. The scripture says that we are predestined to be conformed to his image. The scripture says that as he is in the world, so are we in this world. The scripture says the Holy Spirit, when he has come, he will guide you into all truth. But Jesus said, he will take of mine from me in spirit, and he'll give it to you in spirit. I want you to understand, I did not say he'll give it to you in mind. He'll give it to you in spirit. Then you will know it intuitively, not by intellect or learning. Because the mind cannot receive the things of God. The mind cannot initiate the things of God. The mind cannot know the things of God. The mind cannot experience the things of God. Only the Spirit can. 1 Corinthians 2.14 And I marvel at believers thinking that all their mental consent, their mouthing, mimicking of the word that has its origins in their mind is going to bring the result. Name it and claim it. No, no. You hear it and speak it and it will be yours. But hear it not with these ears that are on the outside of your head, but hear it with another set of ears that's been trained in the spirit, who by reason of use have their senses trained, spiritual senses trained. John 5.30, very favorite scripture of mine, and I'm contending for this. And I believe I know the mechanics, the next techniques, the methods, the disciplines, the actions that are necessary to begin to develop into this kind of a person. I believe that I know some of that. I may not know, know all of it. Jesus, now listen to Jesus. I'm not able to do anything that has its origins from my mind or my memories. I cannot, in, I'm not permitted to be independent from God in my spirit. But as I am taught by God's Spirit, as I get His Spirit orders, I decide as He bids me to decide. As His voice comes to me, I give His decision. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. Now you don't hear His voice in your mind. He doesn't live in your mind. He lives in your spirit. That's why I don't care how much you recall or mouth or mimic or repeat the promises. It won't produce faith. But his voice will if you can hear it with spiritual ears in your spirit. Are you listening? As his voice comes to me, I give his decision. Even as I hear his voice, I make a judgment. My judgment is not mine, but it's his. And it is righteous. My judgment didn't come because I saw this and observed this or heard this and listened to this. No, my judgment because I was listening in another realm. I was listening in my spirit. I was seeing in my spirit. As I hear his voice in my spirit, I now give his decision. I now speak his word. I now speak the logos from the origins of the rhema in my inner man. Are you listening? 
because logos is a spoken word, but rhema is a quickened word. And my judgment is his, and it's righteous, because I've not consulted my mind, I've not consulted my memories, I've not consulted my ideas, my opinions, my prejudices, my interpretations. I've wholly listened for his voice. For I'm dedicated to do nothing that has its origin from me. My mind, my memories, my opinions, my prejudices, my interpretation, I do only what I hear my Father saying. John 5.19 says the Son can do nothing of himself except he sees what the Father is doing. Jesus said to every disciple, you, 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 if you're disciples. There's a difference between being a believer and a disciple. And be a believer and be sterile and impotent. But if your disciple is that you are teaching teaching others to believe in him and the word. I wonder if you're understanding what I'm saying. Unless you will do the work of learning to develop spiritual ears to hear the voice of spirit, the voice of the rhema, my sheep hear my voice, you'll never have faith. But until you have that maturity, I want to encourage you when you see a need of somebody that's sick or in need, you hasten towards that person, trusting the word, these signs shall follow them, but believe they shall lay their hands upon the sick, they shall recover. Didn't even say you need to pray over them. It simply says you lay their, your hands upon them, and they shall recover. Now, I ask you a question, is there, is there healing in your hands? Well, what is it about the hands? Not a blessed thing. Well, what is it that affects the healing if they're healed? It's the Spirit of God outraying from your spirit through your hands into that physical need. But if you don't know how to live in your spirit, you lay hands upon empty heads and have empty results. But if you know how to live in the spirit and be a channel by which the spirit can flow from your inner man outward through your arms and your hands into that person, that person will be healed. Do you know how to open your spirit? Do you know how to close your spirit? Do you know how to release or impart your spirit? Do you know how to discern your spirit as something different than, more than, independent of your mind? Do you know how to divide your spirit from your soul or your mind? Where in the world are the teachers that are teaching you how to do this? You don't find anybody teaching us the how-tos. You find a lot of us teaching us the what-tos. What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Knowledge always tells you what to do. But wisdom tells you how to do the knowledge so that it works 
fruitfully or creatively. And then the script, and the Bible doesn't teach you how, but the scripture does say that Jesus Christ is made to us wisdom. Jesus Christ is made to us how to do his knowledge so that there can be a divine result. Jesus never made a prayer without an instantaneous result. Now you and I are to grow up into Christ Jesus in all aspects, meaning that if we are living by faith and acting by faith, there should be a progressive increase or increase in percentage of results. If there isn't a progressive increase of results of the things that you're, that you're acting upon by faith, it still shows that you're still living supreme. You're Lord of your life. Your soul is sitting upon your heart, playing like God, acting like God, thinking like God, talking like God, and, and, and acting by faith like God, but it still ain't God. Jesus said, I don't do anything. I don't do a thing until I see what the Father is doing. He had such success because he had spiritual eyes in his spirit to see what the Father of Spirit was doing. And you too, if you can develop your spiritual eyes to see what the Father is doing, you'll have absolute perfect results. But who is there to teach people what to do? To develop their spiritual eyes to see? Hebrews 5.14, a very major scripture that I speak about. Could I have a glass of liquid over there, please? Hebrews 5.14, major scripture. Strong meat belongs to those who are of full age, who by reason of use have their senses trained. Now the word use is an action word. The word trained is an action word. The word senses is talking about spiritual senses. Strong meat belongs to those who by reason of use of their spiritual senses have their spiritual senses trained. Thank you. But you got to do the using, and you got to do the training. Or, we could voice it another way where it goes, I think, in the King James, because of practice, have their senses exercised. The word practice, the word exercise is an action word. You've got to do the practice, and you've got to do the exercising. Don't pay attention to her, I want you to look on me. See, that's the ability of concentration. You see, concentration is one of the keys of literally walking in spirit. I can, I've, I've learned concentration that I can let all hell can be turning on around outside of me and I don't know anything that's going on except the one that I'm looking at and that's Jesus. Does that make sense? I've learned that ability. I've worked at that training. I've learned, I've worked at becoming that discipline. People can be talking to me and my head is shaking shaking like it's answer. I don't hear a thing they're saying because I'm not there. I'm in another realm. I'm in a realm of spirit. My thinking is higher than your thinking. It's not a higher than distance. It's a higher in creative ability. My thoughts are not your thoughts. His thoughts really, even though they're higher, are deeper in you. Are you listening? So higher and deeper is the same thing. It's inside of you. He could say, my thoughts 
are inside of you, your inner man. My thoughts are not in your mind. My thoughts are in your spirit. I want to say again, your mind is the most, one of the greatest enemies you got. It has the power to believe, but doesn't have the power to have faith. It, how, it has the, the deceit of presumption that to believe, to believe in a promise that, they, that is acceptable as faith, and it's not faith. And as long as we live in our minds, we're going to live in continuous, repetitious failure. But if we learn to live and walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the cravings, the gratifications of the flesh. Galatians 5.16 If we walk in the Spirit, we shall not gratify the lust or the desires of the flesh. Just what is the, the lust and the gratifyings of the flesh? Glad you asked me. Hebrews, or no, Romans 8. I think it would be a good one to start with. No, I want to start with Romans 6, 16. Don't you know whomever you're submitting your mind to, you are the slave of the one that you're submitting your mind to? When somebody says something naughty to you, real mean to you, and you retaliate back with some sort of naughty response, don't you know that you're the prisoner of the one that initiated that naughty thing, they really are ruling you. They're ruling you on their terms. You're their prisoner. They got you right where they want. Even though you retaliate back, you're a loser. Do you not know that whomever you're submitting your soul faculties to, you're their slave? Whether it be sin which leads to death or obedience which leads to righteousness. Now Romans 8 for those who are submitting, subjecting, yielding their soul faculties, their self faculties, their mind and emotions to the flesh and its senses are controlled by its desires, the things which gratify their flesh. But those who are yielding, submitting, subjecting their minds to the spirit and controlled by the desires of their spirit where the Holy Spirit is, seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. Have you understood what I've said? As long as you're subjecting your mind to all them promises that you've learned through your outside senses, it's still death. It's only when you subject your mind to Jesus Christ, the Lord, in the Spirit, will there be life. Now let's listen to this. John 5, 39 and 40 says this. Jesus said, he said, all them, those followers of me said, you're searching out the scriptures. For therein you think you have eternal life. But the scriptures only tell about me. But you never come to me that you might have Zoe life. Now you hear all the time from leadership, get into the scriptures. Get into the Word. Get into the Word. Get into the Word. Get into the Word. Don't you hear that? 
But do you ever hear anybody say, but also come directly to him in the spirit? You never hear anybody say that. Jesus made a distinction. He says, you go to the scriptures and you really think you got it. The scriptures, you won't find me in it. It only tells about me. But he says, you never come to me. That you might experience my life. And I believe that's where the church has missed it for 1987 years. Can you imagine 1987 years of biblical failure? Because we majored in coming to the Word and never have majored in coming to Him? Boy, that's going to make a lot of people mad when they hear that. Because they have such emphasis, get into the Word, get into the Word, or come to the Word, come to the Word. And all the preachers of the Word have not brought themselves or the people themselves to faith. Because you don't find faith in this book. You don't even find Jesus in this book. I'm not telling you to throw the book away. Listen, we ought to be 10,000 times farther along than the people in the first century. Because here, here, is the, here is the revealed pattern. But revealed to your head is worthless. But we've never been taught the privilege and the responsibility of coming to Him. We know how to come to the Word, but we don't know how to come to Him. We come to the Word with our minds, thinking that, boy, we really got eternal life. But what do we do to come to Him, and how do we do it so that we really can experience the result? Himself. He's the healer. He's the provider. When Jesus at the cross said, it's finished, he could have said, now, there's nothing more that I can give you. There's nothing more that I can do for you. Or he could have said, I've made every provision for you to succeed into life. I've made every provision for you to live your life out of sin, to live your life out of sickness, to live your life out of death. I've made everything available for you. But you see, he forgot to say, but I put the availability in the realm of spirit. But that's where he put it. The provision is in the realm of spirit. The provision is never in your mind. The provision is in, is in himself in the realm of spirit. And himself is in your spirit. And so you can come to, you can come to each other. And if you come to each other, well that's all right. But if each other isn't living in the Spirit, you're going to have failure. But if any one of you, any two of you, or any one of two of you, is living in the Spirit, when you come to each, when you come to each other, you're going to have His results. That's the way Jesus is the same today as He was yesterday. Because, you see, He's only same today if He is Lord. And he has to be Lord not only in your spirit, but he has to be Lord over your mind and over your body. And if you're living your life for your mind and emotional gratification, he's a prisoner in your spirit. And you can go ahead and get all the gratification that you want for yourself, 
but it'll never bring you to his life. You can bring yourself and come to with your mind, you can, with all your mind, you can have your mind come to the word. Great. He says, there you just think about you have eternal life. But he says, you know what? You're just ever learning, but never coming to the experience of my truth. But you never come to me that you might have life. About time, dear ones, that we begin to know that there is a difference of coming to the Word and coming to Jesus. We know that Jesus is the Word, but, the Je- but, but Jesus learned produces nothing. Jesus quickened produces everything He is. Where is He? He's in your spirit. Paul said this is a mystery. Christ in you, the reality of glory. Now faith is the substance of the promise that we've been believing. Faith is the divine life, the divine experience, the divine result of Jesus Christ in your spirit. Now faith brings into experience that which has been the provision of himself in the realm of spirit. Your healing has already been done. You've already been healed by your stripes 1987 years ago. There's no more. He, he can't do anything more for you. He can't even. He can't even heal you. From inside of you. Until you let your mind go. And be in union with him. If you abide in me. If you're in union with me. My rhema. Will have supremacy in you. Speak it as you will. And be done to you. So we need to teach the people what to do. To do the abiding. And we need to teach them how to do the abiding. Of course, you wouldn't want me to teach you that, would you? Most of you have been hearing my preaching enough. If I were to ask you a question, how do you do it? You should know by now. But I want to tell you something. It's the most simple, painful thing that you'll ever do. Because you lived all your life out of yourself, for yourself. You even believed all your life for yourself. All soul power. Call them soulish Christians. If you want to do the abiding in Him, you're going to also have to do the looking away into Him so that He can author and finish faith. The same thing that you do to do the abiding is the same thing that you do to do the looking away. It's a technique. It's a method. It's a mechanic. It's a spiritual exercise. Not a mind exercise. Oh yeah, there's something you got to do with your mind too. you got to deny it. Except a man deny his mind. He cannot find Zoe life. Except a man look away from his life unto Jesus. Look away from his mind. Look away unto Jesus. He cannot author and finish faith except a man do the work of abiding being one in union with him the rhema cannot cause faith to be your portion now faith is the substance of believing the quickened word faith is the experiencing the frame of word. Faith is experiencing 
the spiritual spiritual credibility of the faith of the Son. You're saved by grace through faith. That not from your self realm, not from your mind realm, but it's a gift from God. Ephesians 2 8. You have to get it from God. And to get it from God, you've got to get in the spirit, out of mind. I cannot stress this enough. If you're going to allow your mind to play God, talk like God, think like God, act like God, never do the work of denying it, of losing it, of subjecting it to your spirit and to Him in your spirit. Your mind will play Lord and I guarantee you the Lord of your mind will lead you to death and never experience the promises. But the Lord of your spirit will lead you to life because you become the experience of the promises. He's given us great and exceeding precious promises that by those promises we might become partakers of the divine nature, of the divine life, of the divine substance, of faith itself. Escaping corruption that comes in the world because of lust. Escaping rigor mortis. Escaping, the Greek word for corruption is thora. It means escaping all inflicted destruction. Take a knife and stick it in you a million times, can't kill you. Blow you full of a thousand thirty-eight bullets and can't kill you. If you got the substance of the promises in your experience. Also, it goes further than that, escaping all spontaneous degenerative decay. He has given us great and exceeding precious promises by the experiencing the substance of those promises we escape all inflicted destructions all spontaneous degenerative decay and we become filled with theophysical life my god people we try to learn our way into faith can't be done we've got to experience his faith in order for it to be done. To experience his faith? I beg your pardon? Come on up, say something. Well, while you were speaking, and you were talking about the difference between believers and disciples, the, the word for disciple comes from the Greek root math, which means to be a learner. You cannot hear me, so okay. I holler. While Roy was speaking about the difference between being a believer and a disciple, I was thinking that the word for disciple comes from the root, from the Greek word math, which does mean to be a learner, but more than that, it means to be an adherent, someone who is just like him. Not just sitting there learning with your mind, but someone who is walking in the experience of the one that you're following. And also, while you were talking about being a hearer, of the rhema word, I asked, had asked the Lord, because we've talked about this lady with the hemorrhage, and there was one passage in Mark 27 that said that she heard about Jesus, and the Spirit showed me that the woman received imparted faith, which is the substance of the living word, the person of Jesus, which is a type of the provision that God has made in Jesus for his people, who are Israel, who we are. She was a type of the nation of Israel. Therefore, the man Jesus could say, your faith has made you well, but it originated with the Father drawing to Jesus, which is what he has done with his people. I want to say it again. Your mind cannot affect or originate faith. Only your spirit can. 
Do you have a question? Wait a minute, let me come back there so I can get this on the tape. The, the words of Paul keep coming to me often. Whatsoever is outside of faith is sin. So even if you take the letter of the word and you don't mix it with faith, there's something lacking there. Sure. It's carnality. It's going toward the fruit of, of death, not the fruit of life. I think it's important, though, in even mixing with faith. You can't even mix anything with faith until God gives it. He's faith. Jesus is faith. But you can't even mix Jesus with your need until Jesus imparts himself intuitively to you. Now, he lives in you. But what good is him living in you if you don't have a relationship of intimacy where he can impart or quicken himself to you? What good is it to be able to believe in all this good doctrine that don't work? What good is it to believe in God and don't have a life result? Now, for example, you know that I had a couple of heart attacks last year. And I'm doing pretty good this year. I can't say, I, I am saying, I really believe from my heart that I've been healed by your stripes. Here it is over a year now and I haven't seen the manifested results. I still really believe from my heart that I've already been healed by his results or by, by, by his stripes. Now, why haven't I had the manifested results? Because I haven't had a rhema word yet. But I'm confessing the Logos word and I'm trying to confess it. The word, the word is naively, even in my mouth and my heart, the word of faith that you speak. So I'm speaking by faith until he incarnates or quickens the rhema word. Does that make sense? How do you know you haven't seen it? Well, if I'd seen it, I'd have that created heart. Or if somebody else had seen it, I'd have that created heart. You cannot have faith, imparted faith, without having a divine result. It's impossible. Just like you can't have the sun come up in the morning without light. It's, it's impossible to have imparted faith without having a result. Even when I had that heart catheterization, they go into your groin here, and they go up into your arteries, and they look inside and eject dye. And I watch this on the screen. I look over in a vision. I see Jesus standing me 15 feet away. I said, Jesus, you could give me a rhema now. I could be healed now. And I wouldn't have to go through this silliness. I know all the promises. I'd be surprised if I know if there's a promise that I don't know. But you see, even though I saw him, I didn't see his word. I didn't hear his word. I know his locust word, but I don't have his frame of word. Until I have his frame of word, I'm, by faith, I'm confessing that by his stripes I'm healed. But when there's an imparted, incarnated, rhema, quickened word, I'll be healed. Does it make sense? Oh yes, the gift of faith and the fruit of faith. We know that one of the fruit of the Spirit is faith. That's the faith that we live by. But the gift of faith is the creative ability of God to perform, to perform the supernatural provision for your need. Now the difference between the gift of faith and the gift of healing, or I mean the, the gifts of healing, you know, many times are not obvious. Sometimes we ought to teach that in one of our schools of prophets about the gifts. I've been majoring, trying to major in the revelation gifts. But you have gifts of healing, 
You know, they, people have imparted to them, ministries have, or even saints, not, don't have to even be a preacher or a teacher, just a believer. As you're in motion, you have a gift of healing manifested, somebody's prayed, healed as you pray for them. But a gift of faith is the working of miracles in passivity, where the working of miracles, the gift of working miracles, is affecting immediate change in aggressivity. Let me, for example, give you an If I exercise a gift of faith, let's say you're blind eyes, you're blind I pray for your blind eyes. And while I'm praying for you, the gift of faith is manifested. I don't see your eyes open. The next morning when you get out of bed, your eyes are open. Someplace between the time I prayed, the next morning you rose up, the gift of faith had did the result. But if I'm working a miracle, I lay my hands on your eyes, immediately they come open. That's the difference between the gift of faith and the gift of working a miracle. Now the gifts of healing, I could lay hands on her eyes and pray for a heal, her healing. Sometime, maybe in days and weeks and even months, there's a graduation of healing. Or it could have been three, four days or three, four hours. Does that make sense? So it's very difficult to say, well, this is a gift of healing, this is a gift of faith. And gift. But I guarantee you, it's, it's pretty clear when a gift of miracles is, is manifest because it transcends all known laws of normality. Does that make sense? Now, let's get back to faith. Faith is a person as well as a result of that person. Faith is Jesus Christ in you. Not in your mind, in your spirit. So if you live in your spirit, you cannot live in your spirit without being absolutely one or abiding in him. You live in your spirit, you're living in the abiding state. And when you live in the abiding state, if you abide in me and my rhema has supremacy or abides in you, speak it as you will, it shall be done to you. I have to get right back to the what-tos and the how-tos. Well, let's, let's go into this. Jesus said, except a man deny his self-life, his soul life, his mind life. He cannot find Zoe life. Well, what in the world do you do to deny your self-life, your soul life, your mind life? Glad you asked me. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, bringing every one of your thoughts into captivity or into captivation does not mean that you're to literally lose your soul to its extinction or its obliteration or its non-existence. What it does mean, it means you're just not permitted to use or originate its actions of, from your mind faculties. Because you can originate all your thoughts, all your feelings from stimuli out here through your physical senses. Your, and you can originate your actions, your motivations, your initiative from promises that's been stored in your memories. Still flesh. 100% flesh. 100% failure. But if you deny all of the stimuli from the outside, all of the memories in your mind, in your memories, don't let it have any origins, and you submit your mind to Jesus Christ in your inner man. Now, your mind is going to be quickened by spiritual senses. Now your mind is going to, it's sub, you become now the prisoner of faith. Before, you was a prisoner of flesh. 
Now your mind is a prisoner of faith. And when you are the prisoner of faith, you have faith results. Now faith is the substance of Jesus Christ's provision for your need. Now faith is the bringing into the outer realm that which you've heard or seen in the inner realm. Now faith is bringing into your experience that which has been the provision of Jesus Christ in your spirit. Now faith is literally the substance of Jesus Christ reproduced in you. But you've got to do the work of submitting and subjecting your mind to your spirit and to Jesus Christ in your spirit. It's a matter of concentration. It's a matter of directed focus. If you're going to allow your mind faculties to be submitted to and yielded to your memory banks and to all the stimuli that comes through your physical senses, you're going to have end result, failure results. But if you bring all your, your thinking to stillness, to quietness, to captivation, while focused upon him, then he alone will quicken you with rhema. And as you hear the rhema, you speak it as you will, it shall be done to you. Are you understanding what I'm saying? We've not learned, it's not been taught this. What do you do to deny your mind? You simply stop its dominant actions, its dominant recall of memories, and you focus upon Jesus. You look away unto Jesus so that he can author and finish faith. Not looking away up to Jesus out here someplace, but inside. You look away unto Jesus in the inside, bringing your thoughts to stillness. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know God. Be still and experience Rhema. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is concentrated, focused, locked upon him. That's the difference between coming to the word and coming to him. Yes, it's necessary to come to the word, but coming to him, you've got to set all of that outside learning aside and come to him. How do you come to him? It's a matter of a concentrated, directed, penetrating, fixed, locked focus that's upon Jesus Christ that permits no rabbit tracking of your mind and no distraction from the outside senses. Now to give you an example, I'm, I'm a great lover of pro football, learning to enjoy pro basketball. But if I make the mistake, I've learned to pray with such concentration to close out every stimuli from my outside senses. If I make the mistake of shutting down the dominance the liberty of my outside senses to come to my mind and I get into the spirit and there I'm communing with God I can have my eyes wide open seeing that screen on television seeing nothing I have my ears hear, hearing wide open all this sound coming and I don't hear nothing I literally have learned the ability to lock out my dominance of my outside senses and all that come, come through it lock out anything in my memory coming to my conscious thoughts but by focusing upon him, I'm blocked upon him. Be still and know God. In stillness shall be your strength. While locked upon him, you will be kept in perfect peace. They that wait upon the Lord 
shall be renewed in their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary, never run not faint. If Christians were taught exactly what to do to do that waiting, their strength would be renewed. They would mount up with wings of eagles and run and not know what weariness, run and not know faintness. It's good to believe it. Good to mimic it. But it's even better to experience it. To experience it is that you have the responsibility to do the action of waiting. Now, waiting is not inaction. It's inaction of your mind. But it's subjection of your mind, too, to him and him alone. You don't find this taught. Try it and see how long you can focus upon Jesus Christ without being distracted. About umpteenth of a second. Oh, I wonder if I left the coffee pot on. Oh, I forgot to pay that bill. Then you get back to Jesus for a few umpteen seconds and here again, oh, my son, he's such a naughty boy. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You have worked all your life to make your mind perform. Now, if you're going to live and walk in the Spirit, you're going to have to work the rest of your life to make your mind be still. But there's no sense being still if you don't do it right. You've got to do it while you're aggressively focused upon Him. Be still, mind, and experience God. The mind can't receive the things of God, cannot know the things of God, cannot experience the things of God. Only the Spirit can experience the things of God. We've, we've been duped, believers. We've been taught a bunch of psychic garbage presuming that that's God. You can't learn your way into experience of God. You can only be incarnated your way into the experience of God. Any part of promise, all the promises are the substance of his own life. He is the promise. He's the source of promise. The work of promise, the result of promise. He's Lord. But if your mind is going to play Lord, think like God, talk like God, mimic God, act like God, believe like God, you'll never have it. Am I making this clear? I want again suggest something to you. I want to please, if you ever did yourself a favor, I want you to get this book, The Real Faith, by Charles Book. Uh, I think we're all out of them over there, so you have to order it. It's 550 by the mail. Get this book, Healing the Sick. I used to, I didn't understand Spanish, but anybody, if he can enunciate vowels, can read Spanish. I go down in Mexico. Didn't, didn't understand Spanish. Well, where did it say? All I did know is say, Amil Roar put usted. Can I pray for you? I'd read a page in Spanish. Didn't know the least idea what I was saying. And they said, Amil Roar put usted. And God would work miracles. I was so surprised. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So while I read that, that it wasn't my faith. It was their faith. But their faith was his faith. While I read that word in their need. Now in America, we're too affluent. Uh, we're too wealthy of too many other provisions for our we can take a lot of pills so we do go to a doctor real easy but in Mexico they can't even go to a doctor God will manifest himself to third world people like you wouldn't believe manifest himself to western world people is almost impossible because you've got too many other supplies you rely on the worst thing that you rely on is the smartness of your head 
Am I being naughty and mean here? No, I'm being severe. About time that we repented of our minds so that we can get his. It's about time that we've repented of our works so we can do his. About time that we've repented of our unperceived, unacknowledged unbelief so we can get his belief, which is his faith. Are you glad you come? Yes. Have you learned something? Yes. If I were to ask you, what do you do to get faith now? What would you do? What do you tell me? What would be your answer? What do you do to get faith? Oh, I read the word. Well, you might get it, but I know people that's been reading the word for thousands of years ain't got much faith. What would the answer be? What, what do you do to get faith? The answer, Hebrews 12, 2, I look away unto Jesus so that he can author and finish faith. Another answer. What do you do to get faith? I abide in him so that his rhema can have supremacy in me. And faith comes by hearing and that by hearing the rhema. What do you do to get faith? Oh, I listen for the rhema word on the inside in my spiritual man. These are answers. Well, it's fine to know the answers, but how? Matter of a focused concentration that's locked upon him. I've not only told you what, I've told you how. Anybody say, oh me? You like to say, oh my? Or you say, praise the Lord? Come on, you said that very passively. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the way that you put it forth out of my mouth. Now I've spoken your word. And I leave the results to you. I've uttered your Logos word. Now the rest is your job to quicken them with rhema. And thy word that is written says they went everywhere preaching the word, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. I expect the signs following now. I expect as I lay my hands upon them, they will be healed. You will heal them. You will heal them. You said, these signs shall follow them to believe. They'll lay their hands upon the sick. They shall recover. All right? You got a healing need? Let's believe that he's going to impart faith to one or, you, one or, one or one, either someone else, to you that have the need, or to me that's praying for the need, just so that he imparts it. But we got to know that he's the one that imparts. So I don't want you to look to me for healing. I want you to look to him. All right? Praise the Lord. Anybody sick? Anybody got a need? We're going to lay our hands upon you. Come on. Praise the Lord. You see, now if I was really spiritual, I said if I'm really spiritual, I wouldn't take a step by faith. I'd come to you and he would do the work. But now you're coming to Christ in me. We lay our hands upon you, brother. 
he said, you shall recover. Will you believe with me? You shall recover. The disease, the malfunctions in your body, you shall recover. And then he said, I had to pray. Just say, lay hands on you. Amen? Yeah. All right, let's believe for that. Come on. Hallelujah. We lay our hands upon you in his name. It's written, you shall recover. I'd be surprised you don't find a change in you. Come on. Praise the Lord. We lay our hands upon you in his name. You shall recover. Praise the Lord. Now, it'd be great if we start seeing miracles happening here. Well, that'll, that'll bring you to a startle, startling anticipation. Get your anticipator going then. Audrey, we lay our hands upon you in his name. It's written, he said the scriptures cannot be broken. You shall recover. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We lay our hands upon you, Jane. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up. Just enter in. No unbelief. No unbelief. No unbelief. Repent of any possibility of unbelief. You will not acknowledge. You will not submit to unbelief. Will you? Huh? Come on. Come on. I don't want you to try and do a thing. All I want you to do is to love him in submission. Remember, all your effort isn't going to allow him to impart faith. In fact, it will hinder it. Just love him. Just love him like a little child. Come on. Come on. Come on. Repent of your unbelief. Come on. No. Just like a child. I repent, Jesus. Unbelief. Now you shall recover. All right. There you go. Go on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Come on. Asked me to stand in proxy, and she says she was sending me out as the centurion. Uh, she has sugar diabetes, and she said something told her she could not come here today. And something told her, and she believed the something. Yes, she did. And the Lord said to me, She has a spirit of unbelief and is deaf and dumb. Well, I do, I do. I'm gonna touch your hands. Look at me. I charge you before. God, you go back and tell her to repent of her unbelief and her disobedience. Amen. And then God will heal her. Amen. Okay? Amen. You lay hands on her. And I pray for my son and his hemorrhoids. He okay. a lot of blood and it's That's the little boy around here. Where's he at? That's all right. No, it's all right. She's, it's all right. The mother, in Jesus' name, visualize yourself releasing the glory into those hemorrhoids. See the hand of the Lord reaching over, bringing them absolutely to healing right now. Okay? Amen. Called the image of faith. Amen. All right? Praise the Lord. Now, I expect to hear some results from this, you know. I'd like to see them manifested right now. That's when people's expectators really open up. We lay our hands upon you in his name. It's as simple as that. You shall recover. Hallelujah. You read. Hallelujah. Don't even have to know the need. If I'm really spiritual, I'll know the need. 
So you see, it's not conditional whether I know anything. It's conditional that we do know where he is. He's in us. And we're looking to him. Bob, we lay our hands upon you in his name. And he heals you now. and You shall recover. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jay, we lay our hands upon you. Lift up. You see? There you go. The moment you lift it up, as long as you're just working with your mind, you lift up. The moment you lift his mind up. Hallelujah. Lift up. Relax. There you go. The power of the Lord heals you now. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't that fun? Now lay hands on me. Put your hands away. We're believing. Who knows? God may just give you guys faith as you just reach out your hand to me. Come on. I'm believing for that miracle in my heart. I need a miracle. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to try to believe. I'm just going to love him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I take it. <laughs> hallelujah. That wasn't so hard, was it? Huh? Want to prophesy to that man? Sure, I'll prophesy to that man. Praise the Lord. Stay right there, son. Praise the Lord. Why don't you sit down and we'll minister prophetically to this man.